We'll begin reading in verse 18 and read through the end of the chapter, Philippians chapter 1, and I'll be reading out the New King James Version this morning, as is my custom. Follow along with me in your Bibles if you would. Philippians chapter 1, verse 18, it says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what shall I choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, and that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, and having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. The pains of death surrounded me, and the pangs of Sheol lay hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Gracious, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. You have delivered my soul from death. My eyes from tears, my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord. Now in the presence of all, all his people, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and I'll call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people in the courts of the Lord's house. In the midst of you, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Just two years ago, January, or the end of the year, yeah, around the end of the year, Marina, who was our pastor's wife, and she also worked in our house ever since 95. And even before that, she, before we went to Ecuador, she had been there, and, and she and Nicanor were, were students their first, uh, the second year we were in, in Peru. And so we've known her for, uh, over, for a long time. And every day she was, uh, she worked, uh, well, in the weekdays. And so our kids grew up with uh, Marina fixing lunch. And, and uh, Alethea always had someone to talk to and find out all the news and, and all. But she, for, uh, for a few days, she wasn't able to work. She was feeling weak. And uh, in January, I guess it was, she, they had, she had some blood tests, and they were inconclusive. And so she, they had to send blood to Chiclayo and to Lima. I don't know why Trujillo doesn't do, do these things, but it's a third largest city. But, but they're behind, still behind in some ways. They've come up a lot. Uh, there's a lot of them. But anyway, Alitha and I left for, the, for two weeks of camp. We have a week of pastor's camp uh, with, uh, where the, uh, the mid-missions missionaries invite pastors to, uh, particip to be there at a camp time. The pastor comes free. His wife and children have to pay if they come. 
But uh, <clears throat> so we have a week of that, and then a week of uh, of uh, of us missionaries business meetings, and the kids have vacation Bible school, and we have special speaker who preaches to us, and so we get to receive uh, messages from others. Uh, but when we got back, the the day that we got back to Trujillo, it was the day before, I guess, that uh, that Marina found out that she had leukemia and was only supposed to live a few more, a few more weeks. And she later told us <coughs> what it was, how, how it was when she, she and Nicanor were in front of the doctor. And I think she probably, she probably had some suspicions about this. Uh, but the doctor said that she had leukemia and it turned out it was very interesting because their their third child had died at an age of one for this and this very same kind of leukemia. But anyway, she she told us that what that when she heard the news, she said she took a breath and said, "Thank you, Lord." And then she determined, I I guess what you could say she determined what, what Paul said in Philippians one, uh, twenty. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by, what does it say? Life or by death. So she, apparently she made the decision right then, well, this is my last ministry. My ministry now is to prepare everyone for my departure and to minister to others during, the, during that time and to, to uh, make, it, make it easier and better for those that she would leave behind. And th so we arrived at church Sunday morning. That, that was the day after we got back and we were, we were in church. And uh, their two sons were, were with them. David was married. Their second son, David, was married. He was living in, in Lima. And he came, they came up for Christmas to be with the family, but then his mother was sick and he stayed around a little bit longer. So David was there when we, came, when we entered the church, David came and said, when I heard that news, I was, I was out, I, what was the, I can't even think, I was devastated, that's it, I was devastated. But then my mother, my mother talked with me and I can accept it now, so. <laughs> So right from the beginning, there she was, uh, comforting and preparing and helping her son be, helping prepare him a, l a little bit for, th for this time ahead. Just thinking of death for a little bit. Well, yeah, let me just mention this. So I, I realized that very day well, the theme of our messages, we need to have a, a, a theme, uh, a series of messages over death, being prepared for death, and the Lord's coming, the rapture, heaven. So for quite a few, well, quite a few months, that was something that we would always want to, to touch and to, to mention. Well, first of all, in 1 Corinthians, by the way, death is something that we don't, usually don't like to talk about too much. When we have funerals, of course, you have to do that have to do it then. But we enjoy living from day to day and not having to think about it. And if for a while there's nobody departing, we can, and, be, and the world doesn't want to think about death. Um, try, to, try to not even think about it. In 1 Corinthians 15, well, the first time I wanted to mention in Romans for Romans 5, 12, what does it say? Do I have the right verse? Adam started it. God didn't intend for there to be death, uh, apparently. And the tree of life, man was supposed to, to live but Adam and Eve sinned. By one man, sin entered the world. 
and death by sin. In 1 Corinthians, Paul talks of the resurrection. Brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and which you stand. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 2, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to that word which I preached. For I delivered you to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He died for our sins and he was buried and he rose again. So he speaks of the resurrection. And uh, in verse, in 1 Corinthians, verse 20, now Christ has risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And so each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits, though later those who are Christ that is coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God and Father and when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. It's that death is an enemy. It's our enemy. And, but it will be destroyed. And then later on in verse uh, 50. This I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. And he speaks of sleep. That's death. But we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be written, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. Thanks be to God, verse 57, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So, it's an enemy, but death will be destroyed. But until then, here we are in the earth, and death is before us. Marina, before she heard that news, thought she probably had a few more years to live. Um, but we never know when the time will come. A few weeks, a few, no, a couple of months ago, Sarah was expecting their third child. And our daughter, Sarah, and about halfway through and the and and she was suspecting uh, a little bit but it turned out the baby died and uh, and so here's one that didn't even have time to be born and the lord took him took the baby and 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 uh we were with a month or two ago, we were with Elizabeth. And she says, I'm 91, I'm ready to go. And the Lord isn't take, hasn't taken me yet. And, and, uh, and so, also in, in the Bible college, uh, death has been an influence in our lives in these last couple of years. Just uh, how many months ago? Not that many, almost a year now. Probably not, not quite. First semester, yeah, I guess it was maybe first semester sometime. One of the, one of the students at the Bible College, he was an older student, 35 years old, though, Santos. He was uh, in his third year, ready to graduate next year, ready to serve the Lord. The Lord is, is one, asks us to pray for laborers who go out into the harvest. And, and, and so enthusiastic, he would, he, uh, when someone mentioned us on a Saturday, he was there, he was the, the students take time being the guard at the shack out there. And so 
greeting every, everybody just cheerful and all that. And Sunday night he was in, in, uh, in church leading the service. It was the pastor's birthday and so they had a special time afterwards and, and cheerful and cracking jokes and all that. He went to bed and didn't get up in the morning. His roommate heard something, and, but he, he went over there and tried to move him and nothing. They called, they called the ambulance. Uh, he, he went and got the director and they called the ambulance and, and uh, all they could figure out that he, he apparently, in his sleep, he, 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 his face was in the pillow and he suffocated. And we thought, oh, he's a taxi driver. And there, there are dangers on the road. Taxis, you know, the traffic in Trujillo is interesting. And, uh, but also the, we have extortioners who, who often will kill tra taxi drivers who, who don't want to pay the, pay the money. They, uh, what do they say? We'll protect you or we'll, uh, yeah, pay us and we'll, <laughs> but, but to, to get money out of the taxi drivers, but to be at home in your own bed, isn't that the safest place you can be? But that's where, and, and some of us were talking about it. It's, he apparently didn't have, he wasn't sick with anything. Well, the Lord just wanted him. The Lord wanted to take him home. And we never know when that'll be. And we don't know how long we have. A man in one of the churches, mentioned, he had had a bout with cancer and apparently he's over it now, or he's clear. But he said our, our, our life is like an hourglass. And the sand is, all, is going through. And you might think you have a whole bunch of sand up there yet to go through. But maybe the last few grains are going right now. We never know how, how long we have. Uh, we, never, we don't know how long it's going to be. And Paul talked, about, Paul talked about death. And he talked about his own death. And uh, thinking about dying or staying here. In Philippians, the, what we had read before, Paul had, has, had his experiences of a lot of persecution, a lot of dangers. In one place he really mentions how many things he'd gone through, shipwrecks, and this was even before the, the shipwreck that we see in, in uh, the end of Acts. Being st he was stoned once and left for dead. And some people think he might, maybe he really did die and the Lord raised him again. But, but anyway, he, uh, he'd had all these experiences and in Philippians he'd been captured well, actually, before that, he'd, uh, enemies had captured him, him in Jerusalem, and some of them, some of the enemies wanted to kill him on the, on the way, on the road. And it just <laughs> happened that Paul's nephew heard the plan, and so they warned the authorities, and Paul was delivered from death in that way. He'd, he was in prison, so now he's, and when he writes Philippians, he's in, in prison, and well, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, in, so in, again, in Philippians chapter 1, he says, verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is a tragedy, huh? and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. So if I live here, I'll be able to do things and, and serve the Lord. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell, for I'm hard pressed between the two having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you for all your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ when I'm coming to you again. So I'm pretty sure I'll be able to, I'll get out of prison and I'll be able to be with you again. 
but oh, I'd sure love to die and be with Christ. That would be far better. But I can remain here in the flesh and, and that can help other people. That can uh, help other people out. So Marina took, uh, took these verses and, and so I started, uh, I think this was probably in the first uh, me message that I gave that very day uh, when, when, she, when she heard that she was the second day after she knew what she, what she had. And so she needed to stay separate from people uh, with, with cr from crowds. Uh, there's a danger of, of uh, getting infections. So Marina was in the room in the back and they didn't, we didn't need, it's small enough that we didn't need a loud, uh, the uh, microphone to reach the nursery or whatever. But she was in back and she heard the message and so afterwards she said, oh, Pastor, thank you for, the, for that message. And I sure wish Nicanor would be able to, to accept it. Nicanor was just fall, fell apart and, most, and some of the time he was just beside himself and, and uh, it, was, it was really hard for him. And Samuel, their son Samuel told us, oh boy, I'm just like my father, I'm gonna fall all apart too. And, uh, but it actually turned out that he, that he, that he did. And now, so what happened with, with Marina was that uh, they, they said with th this kind of leukemia, you really can't, uh, treatments, that's what the first doctor said anyway, treatments don't really help for very much, but you can stay alive for a little bit uh, longer with transfusions. So, so, uh, so that's what she, for several, and it turned out there were eight, eight, ten more months, ten more, eight more months that, that she, she was alive. And so, but the whole process, the whole thing of getting transfusions, the family, in their hospital, the family had to provide the donors. So we had to find, they had to find friends and we advertised it in, this, in the Bible college and a lot of people from the Bible college came. But to donate blood in this hospital, you had to be there at five in the morning, four or five in the morning and hold the place of the donors. So one of the family members, Nicanor or Samuel, would have to be there every, in those mornings and hold the place and the donors would come, uh, maybe two or three or four or five, and they would go in and get a sample of blood and find, they'd have their, they would quiz them and find out all the things and decide, uh, tell them if they, they were apt, if they were able to donate. And then usually they'd have to come back the next morning to actually donate the blood and and, and sometimes people didn't weigh enough and their blood count wasn't high enough. And so anyway, they, they were able to get, to get blood and they, they wouldn't give her a transfusion until the blood was, was donated by somebody else. So they would, um, so that was a constant thing during those months, donating blood and, and, and uh, when, she, when it was donated, they gave her enough, the transfusion was enough to put her blood count, I don't some of, some of you know what blood counts mean and all that. It was enough to get it up to eight, wasn't it? Was that the number nine, eight or nine? And usually that's pretty low when you're, when you're down to nine, but they would get up to that. When it got down to six, now it's time for another transfusion. And, and so, so that's what, that was what life was like for, for quite a while. And so the family always doing that and then, then you're in line and then you, then you give, uh, then you pay for the breakfast for your donors. And in one case, I think, I think someone said, well, I'll donate, donate blood if you pay me for it. And well, okay, we'll do that too. But we, they appreciated those who donated freely. And, uh, and so these, they had these transfusions. And when they got the transfusion, Marina had to go to, to, to the, their hospital, but she had to go to an, then another one where they put the, put the blood in and then come back because they don't do everything in the same place. So there was a lot of traveling around. Somebody had to be going here and there and doing all that, all, all that, kind, of, all that kind of stuff. So me, meanwhile, she was, uh, sometimes, some days she would feel good enough to get up and do a few things, not too much. Uh, 
and, 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 uh, and, uh, and so often she was able to remain cheerful. People would come to visit her and they said, we came to comfort Marina and, she, and it turned out she comforted us. And we went back really uh, rejoicing and, and happy because of, of the way she ministered to us. <coughs> uh, one, one funny thing was uh, Samuel had to do something in the hospital. I, I don't know what. But right next door was a mortuary. And so while he was there, Marino went, walked over, went over to the, uh, in the mortuary and started talking to the lady there and f talking about burials and, and all of that. And, and she came back enthused and told everybody, look, if we, if we pay a thousand soles ahead of time, then when the time for the burial comes, it'll be, there'll be a discount, it'll be less. So she was, now look, everyone who, part, and we were counted as part of the family, so we would be contributing some, but to the, her, her brothers and, and other members of the family, come, look, wouldn't this be great? Go ahead and, but most of them were, didn't like to hear, didn't like to think about it. But, uh, but she was all, all, all enthused to make, it, make things easier for everybody else. She was trying to do everything she could ahead of time. So uh, I, I don't want to be, for there to be a big burden on everybody. So she, so she, was, uh, so she, was, she was always, the concern was trying to make things, trying to prepare others and make it easier for them. And, and uh, so that was, that was her attitude in her ministry. But as she was talking with the lady about the, these specials for uh, burials, and the, and the lady asked her now, who would this be for? Uh, who, this, who would be the person buried? Yeah, well, you might not believe this, but it's for me. And, and so the lady started crying and <laughs> as she was talking with her. So, so the, so uh, there, there were minutes, a lot of times she was feeling well enough and sometimes when it, when it was really low and she was, it was a little bit hard and, to, and uh, she had to make herself cheer up a bit, a bit but just from the, from the tiredness and, the, and pain and things like that. Once, uh, after she was gone, uh, Alethea, mentioned to Samuel, do you want me to come over and help with her uh, sorting out her things? Oh, my mother took care of all of that. She, she told Samuel, now this pile, of, this pile of clothes, this is for Gina, because she's my size. And then this, you give this to somebody else and this to somebody else. She had everything sorted out and everything planned for the, for the, uh, uh, for where her things were to go. And I, I, I was going to mention this earlier, but I'll go ahead and mention it now. When Marina heard what she had, she was, she was ready to, well, this is what the Lord wants now, and I'm ready to serve the Lord. This will be my, my last ministry. Uh, it's such a contrast to people in, 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 uh, in 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, we sorrow, but not as those who have no hope. And in Peru, there are a lot of people who have no hope. At the, time, at the time of death. And in some cases, they never want the person to know that he's, uh, he has cancer, he's gonna die. A uh, few years ago, we were, um, it, was, it was for a young mother. She'd actually, as soon as the baby was born, they found out that she had cancer. And she had been a member of our church when she was a little girl. And her husband wasn't a believer. But he didn't want her to know anything about, about the the diagnosis, so they kept on saying, you'll get better, and you'll get over this. And the, a day that we went to visit, I and some of the others, uh, there, there was also, the, I, I guess the husband's mother uh, was a Pentecostal, so there were people from the Pentecostal church, and they were saying, the Lord's gonna heal you, and they prayed, demanding the Lord to lift her up, and you're gonna get well, you're gonna get over this, and so after that, talking with her, and, uh, but the husband didn't want anybody to tell her that she was gonna die. And so as I spoke, well, I'm gonna at least, met, I, met, I need to mention death, and I, in a general way, you know, all of us, all of us die, and we think, 
and, uh, and all of that. And so, and I was sure that from a look that she gave me, I was sure that she understood. I, th I think she really knew. And she appreciated what I was saying about, about uh, death and being with the Lord and all that. And, and so it wasn't too long after that she, she, uh, she did pass away. But the, the, the attitude, the whole attitude, and the attitude of people towards uh, death. And one, one, uh, one young man, we were at a funeral. And actually, well, I don't know if I'll, I won't go into the gruesome details, but, but uh, this, uh, the, this young man had, been, uh, had been robbed and had been shot and he lost the use of his legs and he committed suicide. And he had been, a, he'd been a, in the Bible college. He didn't graduate, I don't think. He was there for a couple of years in the same class with Marina and Nicanor. But, uh, but his mother, his wife was a believer, but his mother was, uh, and, and some people just do, made it at the funeral, at the burial. She, very dramatical, dramatic, and, and crying, and why did you leave us? And wailing, and, and demonstrating those, the sorrow of those who have no hope. And, and so, so a lot of people are and just, and, uh, just carrying on and demonstrating their sorrow. Uh, but as those who have no hope. But, so believers realize, well, we do have hope. We have sorrow, but we have hope. And, and so, so that's in contrast with all that, with that attitude. One of the, as uh, Marina's mother had died just a couple years before that, and her mother was in her 80s, and, and she was a believer, and she was, she knew that she was going to go, be going. And so she was talking with Marina about, uh, about several of the things that, that, she, that she wanted done when, at the time of her departure. In, in Peru, when someone dies, the, the family members, it's the responsibility of the family members to provide a meal for all the people who come to the, to the funeral. And there's always refreshments or something at the wake uh, the, day, the, the, the day before. And, but the family members have to, have, to, are, have to be busy doing all that. Same kind of thing in a, in a wedding. I guess you sort of pay people to come. But in, in one wedding it was something because the bride's, the, the, the groom's mother, during the wedding ceremony, the groom's mother was in the kitchen preparing the meal for all the people who would be there at the wedding. But, but anyway, the, you're, you're, the, the family is required to do that. We were used to the, here in the States where the family members don't have to do anything. Somebody else provides a meal for them afterwards. But anyway, that's what they... Uh, so during the, during the funeral, uh, the family members, her children and all that would be involved cooking the meal, getting ready for the people who go to the seminary. And usual, usually you'd, you'd have a memorial service beforehand then go to the cemetery and 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 they 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 would they still usually do it you have a procession going in cars or people and people walking to go to the the cemetery and then after the after the burial and uh, actually they're buried in niches and and so you're waiting they put the body and then they put the plaster over the over the top and, uh, and then you go back to the house and have a meal. But Marina told, no, Marina's mother told her, now look, for my burial, make sure you have the meal beforehand, before the burial, before my burial. Because the cousins fr from Chibote need to be able to get home before dark. So you make sure you have the meal ahead of time, then after the burial, they can go right, right home. So Marina had heard that from her mother, so she, she decided she was going to do that too. And so at the, the service beforehand, that's when they served the meal. And then, and because some people just come to uh, funerals and just to get a meal out of it. They don't even know the person, they just come and, and do all that. But anyway, so, so Marina, Marina said the same thing. Now you have, it, have the meal beforehand. And she planned out, she, now Juan, Pastor Juan Valderrama, I, I want him either to sing or to have a message. And there would be several messages during the, 
during the time there and in the evening before there were several people who spoke but she she had uh, mentioned what, who she wanted to speak who she wanted to do this and she had uh, asked the ladies in the church now would you please help out also in the in preparing the meal so they were and so she was very she was the person most calm i think and collected in all of this and and trying to do all she could to help help others and and uh, during the time, in, in the time before she did pass away, um, my, my, uh, Nicanor was a lot like a sort of a basket case. He didn't think he was that bad, but, but his family, his mother and his brothers in, uh, lived in Lima. And so, and Marina actually suggested, why Nicanor, you just go back there. So they'll take care of you. You can be, you can be in a peaceful and a calm kind of situation with his mother and his, and his, his family there. So he was actually in Lima when she passed away and he came up with some of his brothers. But, uh, and so Marina has his family and David is married and has his, his wife and a little child. And so she was talking with Samuel and, and told him, now uh, Samuel, I wish I could see you married before I go. And, <laughs> and uh, so, Nicanor has his family there, and David has his wife. I wish I could see you married. But it turned out that during an old time, I don't know how long beforehand, but they, they were reacquainted with a young lady that, that, that had come to church before, that they had known before. And, and so she was, she was back around again, and, and she was one of those who donated blood. And, uh, and so... And, and, then, and it turned out that, that uh, she was with Samuel a lot of the time and, and Marina could see a little bit of that. And she, act, and she actually told her sister, yeah, it'd be nice for Samuel and what's her name? Lysida. Uh, she just indicated that she would approve of that. And, so, and when Marina passed away, Samuel and Lysida were there with her and so she was, uh, so she had an inkling uh, that, and so it wasn't too long afterward that they were married. But, but her, her concern the whole time for the, uh, blessing other people, ministering to others before she, before she would go. In these last few months I have, this is my ministry now, and I'll be doing that. Uh, just like Paul, and also in looking through um, First Thessal no first second Corinthians second Corinthians chapter five. Another place where Paul was talking about his <clears throat> his the possibility of his death. In Second uh, Corinthians chapter four, first of all, verse eight. We are hard pressed on every side yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death, then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. And so a little bit later on uh, in verse 16, he says, therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Our light aff affliction. Now some people live their whole lives in suffering and uh, years and years in pain, and, but it's just a light affliction. And it's just for a moment because life here on earth is so short. It's funny, so many people live like this is the only life we have. 
And so they just live like the world. And the world, of course, just lives for what's, because after death, there's nothing. And so, and so all the attention is in this life here. And a lot of Christians live like this is our only life too. And all their attention is in, on the things of this life, the, the things and the wealth and, the, and all. But uh, this, this is just for a short time that we're here on the earth. Um, so our light affliction, which is put for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. This tent, I think, is our body, our mortal body, but we have a whole house. We, uh, we have a glorified body in heaven. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. And recently I heard someone mentioning that this is actually, these verses actually have to do with the, the rapture. Uh, and, and because Paul in the, in, in the book of Thessalonians thought that uh, perhaps he would be among those who are alive when Christ returns. And ever, it's interesting, ever since the church began when Christ, has, Christ told his disciples, I'm going to go away, then I'll come back for you. Now he did tell, uh, Jesus did tell Peter, now Peter, you're going to, he told him the kind of death that he would have. And Peter said, well, what about John? And uh, Jesus said, well, if I want him to remain here until I come, what's that to you? So there was a possibility that that John would still be alive when Jesus came. And in the first years of the church, people were really thinking, the Lord's gonna come back. It won't be too long. And Paul talked about those who died. Uh, those who died, in, uh, well, don't worry about those who died because when the Lord comes, he'll take them up first. And then we, which, we who remain, then we'll, we'll go up in the rapture and be with the Lord. So it could be, it could be that and so those people who have known, Christians who have known, have always expected, well, maybe during our lifetime, maybe the Lord will come. Now, during some years, it seems like all Christianity forgot about a lot of the truths of the Bible. But those who've really understood the word of God, well, the Lord could come. The Lord could come at any time. And uh, I remember some, Back, what, 40, 50 years, a lot of the, some of the preachers were saying, well, the signs of the times, the Lord's going to come soon. And uh, several of our pastors would say, uh, I don't think I'm going to die. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with the Lord uh, come in the rapture. Well, they died. The Lord didn't come yet. We're still waiting. But, uh, but it's, uh, it's something that the church, the informed church anyway, has always known that the Lord could come. And we need to be prepared. But anyway, uh, in verse 4, Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5, 4, For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So again, Paul is saying, well, here's the two possibilities. One is that uh, while we're here in the flesh, we're absent from the Lord. But we, uh, it'd be, it would be great just to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. And so, so I, he said, I, I would like to be, I'd like to be with the Lord. 
absent from the body, present with the Lord. Uh, we're confident to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. We want to be with him. I want to be with the Lord. Therefore, in verse 9, whether we make it our aim, therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Whether we're here, whether we go, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we per persuade men. But we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. So, if we're here in the flesh, like Paul said before, oh, it would sure be great to depart and be with the Lord. But if I'm here, I can do, I can do things that will be a blessing to other people. So, okay, I'm content to be here for a while longer. Uh, but oh, how great it'll be when, when, the, when the Lord comes, when I get to go and be with him. So that's the attitude that, that Paul had. There was, uh, as I mentioned before, this, this whole thing of, of, of death, of departure, of being with the Lord, that, that was dominating our life for that, for that year. And also during, during the time that we were in, uh, during the time that Marina was sick, one of the students from the Bible college who uh, worked in our church was Franklin. And, and later on, his, his brother Adriano, also a student in the Bible college, and Frank, Franklin mentioned to us that his mother had cancer, that she had had some treatments for it. And, and so, and so the, the, he said that, that the, the kids, the, the two that were studying in the Bible college, oh, mother, we should be home with you during this time. And she said, no, you guys have to be studying. His mother had, uh, their, their family came to know the Lord when the, when the boys were, were young, I guess. And the, his, um, their father and brothers used to throw stones in the vehicles of the missionaries who came in that area. But then later they all accepted the Lord and, and uh, the whole family knew the Lord. But his mother had never had an opportunity to learn, to study. His mother couldn't read. And she was so excited about her kids going, her boys going to Bible college. And she said, it's much more important for you guys to be studying. It doesn't matter if I live or die. You need to be there studying. And, and so don't, don't you dare uh, leave class. You, you stay there and study. And so they, they would take advantage during vacation, of course. They would be, be at home. But their mother kept on insisting that after a while she's, she decided she, well, it, the treatments cost so much and well, they really don't do that much good anyway. And, and so, so she stopped the treatments and, and one of their brothers had a problem with the, the car. The car had to be, his truck had to be repaired. They, they, they grow Jersey. They would raise Jersey cows and sell milk and other, other products, I think. And, and so, no, the first thing is to send these two back to college, back to Bible college. And the car can be fixed later, and don't worry about me. Uh, and so, so that was the, the testimony they had from their mother. So that as they were studying, uh, and she would always encourage them and, and say, that's the most important thing. That what, that's what needs to be done now. You, know, you guys need to be, to, need to be studying. So uh, in, the, in the slides, I hope we, everything works out for the, that we have the PowerPoint and everything. There'll be a picture of, of Adriano, Franklin's brother. And he, he uh, during one of the, the, during the last Hira, he asked permission to go back home and be with his mother. Oh, the, oh, the Hira is the week that we have for uh, um, gospel meetings, uh, the churches invite us and the students and teachers go and spend a week in the churches ministering and evangelizing and special meetings and all. And so he got permission to go back and be with his mother during that time. That was in September. September the, this last September. After we, you know, just about the time that we came here, he went back to be with his mother uh, during, during that time. And this year, 
uh, Franklin graduated from the Bible College and he was called to be a pastor of the church in Ecuador in, where we had ministered before. And, and so, so he, he was back in Ecuador, but we heard uh, that in January, their mother passed away. But again, with the, ki the kind of testimony, the Lord's work is before, it doesn't matter whether I live or die, you guys need to be there preparing for the ministry. And so, so the, the, we have these examples of people who, who had the same attitude as Paul. And, and, uh, and all of us need to think, think of this. We don't know how much time we have. We might think there are quite a few years ahead of us. Uh, we might think, this is the end, I'll be gone. But Elizabeth said, I'm still here. And I don't I want to be with the Lord, but, but uh, we never know when the moment will come. And whether, that whether we're here or whether we to be with the Lord, Paul says, it's the important thing is to be serving the Lord, to be well-pleasing to him in, uh, in 5.9. And, and in the Philippians, the, the idea, if I'm here in the flesh, I can be useful to you and help you, help you people. And, and so take advantage of the time that I'm still here to, be, to serve the Lord and be a blessing. And then verse 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in his body according to that, what he has done, whether good or bad. So knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are well known to God, and I trust are well known in your consciences. So whether we're alive or dead, or our, our goal is always ahead, to please the Lord, to serve others while we're here. Lord, we thank, we're thankful for your word. I pray that you'd help each of us to be conscious and aware of knowing that there are lives in your hands and we never know when the time might come, uh, but to be prepared and ready to, to serve you and knowing that, that others will sorrow, but when we sorrow, we always have hope and when, the, when, the, when it's a believer who passes away. So Lord, we pray that each one of us would be aware and ready and uh, trusting in you, whether by life or by death, and knowing that you are all wise, everything's in your hand. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.